Welcome to another episode of That's A Rap Podcast. Uh, I am your host, Jason. So, Jay and Dre, it can't be on today, which is fine. Dre has a cold, and Jay has those little monkeys that he has to take care of, but it's fine. I actually have a guest on today. Uh, but before we do that, I just want to let you guys know this is a Raptors podcast uh, for Raptors fans, by Raptors fans, and I'm thank you so much for joining us and listening to us every single week. We love it. We, we appreciate it. We love it when you guys are talking to us on Twitter and uh, when you gave us emails it's great keep that up please so if you guys have already been watching the raptors they've been on the road they are on a five game a west coast trip and they're about to they're about to finish it off on saturday versus the maps and so for this special episode i actually have a special guest with me i have tobin from spread the floor podcast and he is from dallas fort worth how's it going tobin it's going great, man. How are you tonight? I'm not too bad, man. I've never actually done a solo podcast before, so this is going to be interesting. I'm going to have right. to. I'm going to have to cool. do so much editing just to just to you know clean up my scripts. But this is going to be fun. <laughs> uh, um, so the reason why I wanted to bring you on not only because that you're from uh, from Dallas and we're playing Dallas uh, the next or for our next game, but I but I also wanted to talk to you a lot about nostalgia, a lot of maybe talk about some Dirk Nowitzki, maybe talk about uh, your old uh, Mavs and a old Raptors favorite, Vince Carter. But, okay, so huh. Tobin, before we do that, I want to play something for you. I kind of want to get your feel. I want to I get your reaction, all right? So, all right, tell me how you feel about this. Sean Marion dribbles it out, and a celebration will begin. The Dallas Mavericks are NBA champions. The first title in franchise history. The emotions of Dirk Nowitzki, what he's always dreamed of, hoping to have another chance after the bitter loss in 2006. An unlikely playoff run capped off by Dallas upsetting LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and the favorite Miami Heat. All right, man. Give me your ultimate reaction. How do you feel about Dude. that? Are you trying to make me cry? On like, <laughs> like, is that what you do with your guests, man? Yeah, pretty much. Well, oh. because we we okay. So the reason why we I'm, have similar, we're very similar. Exactly, yes. exactly. Yeah. In 2011, Tobin, you guys won your first ever Dallas Mavericks NBA championship. Uh, you saw Dirk Nowitzki run to the back, and he didn't. Not that because he didn't want to high five anybody or was poor sportsmanship. It's because he was uh, overjoyed, and and all the emotions were just flowing through him. He didn't know what to do. So we ran to the back. Yeah. I feel like None you guys kind of did. did the same thing, no? Oh, yeah. 100%. Dude, so I don't say this lightly right. when I say that this is probably a life moment for me. Yeah. And I've had two children. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, and, and I'm married. So, I mean, I, yeah. I'm not exaggerating when I say that. I mean, I could go back to all the years that we just, it just hurt and hurt and hurt and all the yeah. heartache and all that stuff. Um, But true story and kind of a weird, funny story. That game, that game six um, against the Heat, I didn't actually see it live. No. Because I was, yeah, right? I uh, Every summer I do a big um, musical with my church for like our, for our kids' ministry, and we had our sh big show that night, and it was like the worst possible timing ever. And so to the point where I had a sign around me because we, we had like a little like signature session afterwards and i had a sign that said do not talk to me about the Mavs game because <laughs> i had to record it and there was no way around it and brian uh, my co-host actually he was 
supposed to be there that night doing other things mm-hmm. but since he wasn't a part of the show he like bailed on it he did he's like i'm not gonna be there <laughs> so i i literally turned my phone off yeah after the show <sighs> i got in my car i made sure that my radio was off before my i got out of the car oh it's like that way it wouldn't come on automatically i drove to my friend's house that was awesome the show and we watched the game like three hours later oh than my god the actual time so you didn't know when they won. i had no clue wow. i did not I, no one said a word to me about it by the time that i had gotten out of the church there was um there wasn't many people there the game was and so like we ended when I was like starting the first, like in the middle of the first quarter. But I, I like so like it's it's one of my favorite. Like in a, at the time I was I was so angry and stressed out about it. But mm. now it's it kind of makes that moment kind of more special because then I turned my phone on after the after I finally finished the game. It was like I don't know midnight or something like that, yeah. and my phone was just going nuts. Yeah, and like, everybody's like, "Dude, where you been?" You know, and I drove to <laughs> I drove to Academy and like got the shirts, and they're like, "Bro, you're like two hours late." Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, like, no, for sure. Oh man, but, that's it, incredible. It was it was a cool story, but man, now it seriously was probably like a you know top yeah. top five night for me. It has life, to be so. one of those like you you know exactly where you were, and it's so funny how detailed you know exactly where you were too. Because oh, yeah. I mean, again, this is this is the first uh, Raptors. Uh, the reason why I bring this up is because, like you said, we're kind of in the same boat with our fan bases. Uh, you know, 2011 for Dallas and 2018, 19 for for the Raptors, and we kind of know exactly where we were. Everybody knew where we were, and. I was luckily at at home with my wife and her family and and it's crazy because my parents as well they don't watch sports at all and then they even were so invested in the fact that you know we had such a great player and and we were going for the championship like it was it was so uh the, the motions everywhere in the entire city and it's it's I'm glad that I could, uh, you know, bring that up with you and kind of like share stories uh, about it because I personally don't have a lot of memorabilia with me, but I know that like, because it's also very expensive, but I know that like <laughs> when we do get it, like I'm going to frame this here, I'm going to remember this and like, it's just going to be things that we can tell our kids. I don't know. I don't know about my other co-host Jay and Dre, but I honestly never thought that we would win a championship in like no if i was like under 50 so you know so i just can't you know i'm i can just imagine you probably are going kind of in the same boat but i think it was also a special special uh series because that was the first year with uh the the heatles right oh yeah and that's the thing is like when it was you know whenever lebron signed like there was like talks around here that he would possibly consider it never really mm-hmm. came to fruition and it was never really legitimate but when he ended up signing with the heat of course all of us here like of course it's the heat you know and right whenever the playoffs were happening like and we were getting on a run like it was one of those things where it was like oh of course of course it's going to be the heat that we have to play again in the in the finals you know and so right. it just like in a way it was awesome because it was we got our we got our revenge over the heat but we also took down you know the the big three because they, the they, they were they were they were the favorites I mean, they had oh, to be LeBron, yeah. Wade, Bosch. They had 100%, to be the yes. favorites. So the fact yeah, that there was there was not many people. I don't want to say they weren't giving us a chance because we were we were really good and we right. were clicking. Right. But no one thought we were going to beat them in six, especially and if in the way we did too, we kind of beat them pretty handily the last right. couple of games too. So oh man, all right. Well, okay. So let's let's keep going. Let's keep rolling with this nostalgia. Tell me about Dirk. Dirk just, okay. he just opened up a, or I guess Dallas uh, opened up a new street 
called like Dirk Nowitzki Road, I assume. Yeah, they they renamed a street that goes right by the arena and called it Nowitzki Way, basically. Oh my god! And so, uh, I don't know if you've noticed they've actually I mean, they've done they've already kind of laid the groundwork for a lot of things to happen. Like Cuban said, there's going to be a statue and wow. all those things. And so I don't they haven't announced when or what you know what's going to happen with that. But yeah. the first step was the city of Dallas actually renamed the street outside the state of Nowitzki Way. So they just had that big uh, celebration for that. Like that's a couple weeks ago. Um, our home court now has like a, a shadowed version, like shadowed logo of Dirk's fadeaway now. Wow. So like, you know, it's just like, <laughs> it's like, it's crazy things that you would like, it's like if you took Jerry West logo and like replaced yeah. it with Dirk, with Dirk's fadeaway. And then that's, that's kind of what we're doing in Dallas right yeah. now. So it's a, it's a weird year, man. Like we, you know, it's so like the story for me is that, I mean, I've been going to Mavs games since I was five. So mm. I mean, in 1989, whenever they were still kind of good, um, or they were, they had a couple of runs in the playoffs those two years, and then they went from being okay to just atrocious. Right. I mean, like my first couple of years, I was watching them. They were like, you know, 76ers level bad. You know, wow. it was, it was awful. Like they, like, I think they were like 11 and 71 one season. And so, like for the longest time, it was. You know, I was a Mavs fan, but they didn't really have much to offer me in the sense of winning. So, like, that was also when Jordan was huge. So, right, I was, right, right. you know, I, like every other boy that right. followed Jordan. Absolutely. Uh, then in 98, they drafted uh, Dirk. And I, I, I was, you know, I was in junior high at that point, And I, I was following them a little bit. But I was just like, what are we doing? Like, why are we getting this random white guy from, you know, Germany we never heard of? Yeah. Just, I mean, nobody around here, like really cared it was one of those like well of course the Mavs are going to do this now watch us suck for the next you know, I, l- I love it because first more years first <laughs> round pick ninth ninth pick overall and he's like coming out with those like blonde tips and everything like that oh yeah so, and we got Steve Nash in the same offseason and they both showed up and you're like oh good so we got the two white dudes with frosted tips so like it's <laughs> great we're gonna yeah, this is awesome it's gonna lead us to the we, promised we land were, Great. Well, and we were reeling a little bit because we had you know a few years before that we had drafted Jason Kidd and had um yeah. Jamal Mashburn and Jimmy Jackson and then uh, Tony Braxton basically dated all three of them <laughs> and ruined our team like that. Like they all requested trades because they all hated each other. And wow. so, you know, we just it was just it was a long road to get there. So, you know, after a couple of years of Dirk kind of getting, you know, getting his feet wet, like we knew something was happening. Like it was it was special. And then right. the first year we made the playoffs with him and then we beat the we beat the Jazz. It was like, OK, like this is this is good. And so. Mm. You know, it just kind of grew from there. We ended up facing, you know, of course, at the same time, it was kind of like the Spurs were also going on their run at the same time. So mm-hmm. that that wasn't wasn't ideal. But um, it took a, like the the 2006 finals was 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 rough, and and Dirk took a huge hit that year. And mm-hmm. then the, the year after that was the you know first run first seed losing the eight seed, and like that Against was the Golden turning State. point. Like, yeah. Like, yeah, when Golden State knocked us out uh, after we had won 67 games that year, like, that was the turning point. Yeah. Like that was the one. Like okay, I mean, Dirk could have very easily just walked, you know, walked away and, and never really came to fruition. He was, but he he kind of turned his, you know, um, I don't want to see his focus because he was always a focused player, but mm-hmm. he it just seemed like he kind of had a different edge to him after that. It's, and then you know, so it took him winning a title for him to be respected amongst the whole league. I mean, we had our, we had seen his greatness for years at that mm-hmm. point, but it really did take him winning a title so people would recognize. After I watched the the Novitsky documentary, The Perfect Shot, I oh, I, yeah. I realized how he's like the I guess German Kobe maybe 
like yeah. his focus and and how much he practices and and he's also so beloved in Dallas too. Like you you can't oh, yeah. go you I basically you can't go anywhere without like talk if if you stop somebody in Dallas, I'm assuming that you guys can talk about Dirk for hours and hours and hours. Oh, easily. Right. I mean, we could I could I could talk about about him like the whole night. Yeah. The thing is about it too is that there's a lot of teams that have their superstars like you know like you mentioned Kobe. Like he everybody loves Kobe in LA, but he has his faults and he's not the greatest person at times Mm -hmm. dirk is the opposite dirk is like the greatest human being yeah he was he was he was selfless he did everything he possibly could to make sure that we were set up like he took discounts on on deals you know um he never there was only one time when he kind of like i guess he hinted at leaving and he ended up coming back and it just you know he was the ultimate you know franchise player and mm-hmm. i don't i'm not sure there's ever tim duncan's the only one recently i think that that could even be close to re, you know matching what he did i mean like kobe obviously did 20 years with the lakers but i you know i i to, the difference in their them two to me is that kobe was more than happy to take 30 million dollars a year yeah. from the team and just completely crippled them his last few few seasons you know and so it's just that there's not many players that are that are like Dirk. And, and I think it's the the um, longevity aspect too. Like there, you obviously don't see, especially now in this day and age, you don't really see players that want to stay with the same no. team anymore. I mean, granted, we probably like the Raptors did have a a couple of players who do want to stay as Raptors, but we traded one of them away. But Dirk, I'm so glad what when he he wrote he rose as a player as a good player as a maverick and ended his career as a maverick as well yeah and i think that's why that this cemented the legacy that that he is like the yeah. maverick when you think about a dallas maverick you think about dirk Nowitzki. well because the thing that would have hurt is that if we didn't get that title in 2011 like i have no doubt that towards the 15th 16th year of his career he probably would have left to go get a ring somewhere mm, you think so like I, I mean, maybe not left, but I also could have seen Cuban saying, hey, do you want us to trade you to right. Golden State or something like that? And so yeah. um, I, I do think that that probably would have happened. Uh, so like the 2011 kind of solidified him. OK, he got well, he got his ring and now he can stay here and try to get more. But he can also solidify his legacy now with mm. us. And so wow. that helped a whole lot. So speaking about legacy, um, we have a I guess a a split kind of fan base when it comes to our. Uh, first superstar when it comes to Vince Carter. Uh, he did have, he kind of left a sour note to Raptor Faithfuls. And some people have forgiven him. Uh, I, for one, am, you know, it's more so of like how we are dealing with uh, the Raptors franchise now and that we have success. That's why we are, we can kind of yeah. take his apology and, and it's everything is good. But I feel like if we were still in, you know, if we were in like the New York Knicks era or something like that, then, then it won't be as easy to, to forgive. But at this moment, you know, Vince Carter is a legend. He's the, he's the eldest player in the NBA ever in 22 years and in, in counting. Or I guess this will be the last year. And uh, but he also played for the Dallas Mavericks from 2011, 2014. Uh, he he still had some game in him, and especially in that playoff uh, when he hit that game winner too. So yeah. I, I want to know, like, I want to know how you felt about Vince Carter. I mean, he 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 played for Dallas not in his like prime, but he also gave you some good moments too. Yeah, he. Whenever we signed him, I, I remember me and Brian having the conversation of, oh, crap, like this is this is not good mm. uh, because all that we had seen was his, you know, not so ceremonious exit from Toronto. Yeah. And then he went to New Jersey and did, you know, and played well for the Nets for a while. But then he also kind of became the hothead there, too. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, 
it was he came to Dallas and he was like the ultimate like team player and friend. You know, he was a great locker room guy. Right, right. And it was like, what is happening? He was incredibly likable around here. I mean, he ended up playing like all. I don't think he missed. I think he only missed one game each season he was here because hmm. like the first season he was here was the strike season, and so he played like I think sixty one games that year. And the next two, he played 81 games. And it was like, and he was just a great role player. And he was fun to watch. He still had that pop in his step. Me personally, I loved watching Vince in Toronto. Like that was one yeah. of, like whenever he was playing in Toronto, like that was one of those ones that I always wanted to catch the highlights of. I mean, his dunk contest that everybody talks about yeah. in 2000 was amazing. Um, I mean, you can search up Vince Carter right now when you have like oh, 10 yeah. thousands of, of highlight I packages. Still, I still love the guy. Like whenever he left here, I was disappointed. Mm. And w- me and Brian, like we were just said, like I think in one of our earlier podcasts this year is that we we wished he would have gone somewhere in these last two years where he could have got a ring before he's done. But he keeps signing with the planet. <laughs> so I was like, well, <laughs> yeah. that ain't gonna happen there. But yeah. you know, I know I, I guess I'm curious I, I was curious to know like how how he is received in Canada now that he's kind of now that you have one and that he's kind of mm-hmm. he he's he's matured and he's older so he's you know you can see that he's a different person and player now too well, well so. a few years back we 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 started this is our 25th year but a few years back we started to uh i guess acknowledge the history of the raptors and so when he signed with memphis i believe he came back and we gave him a tribute yeah video. i remember that yeah vince carter has received a standing ovation that has brought tears to his eyes They just showed a video tribute of Carter on the big screen. At first, a lot of fans started booing, and then they started rising in crescendo. Vince Carter cheered in Toronto after leaving this franchise for the first time since he left. The guy they used to call Air Canada has been cheered loudly. And maybe there is some closure. At first, you 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 hear the booze because this was kind of like the 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 point, the the pinnacle of like, okay, fans, you have to realize that you know time has healed, like time heals all wounds, right? And yeah. you start hearing booze in in the beginning, but then you start hearing cheers, and you hear more cheers, and you see people standing and giving an ovation, and then like this was very heartfelt, and I was really impressed, uh, and it kind of changed my views when it came to 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 Vince Carter because, however, the sour note that he left and however like you know the no dunks or i don't want to dunk anymore and anything like that if it wasn't for vince and and again there's a lot of split decision when it comes to vince carter and his fandom here and his legacy but if it wasn't for him i honestly don't think that we would have stayed as in toronto i don't think an nba team would have stayed because when we when we became a, a franchise here we also came with in 95 we also came with vancouver and mm-hmm. luckily for us, we, you know, did some changes and we, we drafted, uh, I think it was Antoine Jameson. And then we, we uh, switched it with Vince Carter. And, and then, you know, it blew up. Like, if it wasn't for Vince Carter, I don't think people would have known what Toronto is. Honestly, when, at least in well, the NBA had, scene. You'll have T-Mac, too. We, we did have that... T-Mac, but he, he wasn't flourishing as much. If it wasn't, I honestly think if it wasn't for Vince Carter being there and making him comfortable enough to, like, kind of be himself, T-Mac would have been, would have been, been the T-Mac of today. I think that he had to have been uh, comfortable with his role when, when Vince Carter was there. Yeah, it, it always surprised me that T-Mac was kind of, and I know he wasn't the guy, like, like, Vince Carter was, but it always kind of surprised me that he was kind of let off the hook that he basically bailed to go sign a max contract in Orlando. Too. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, like that's, 
because it's sure. always like, okay, like Vince forced his way out, but T Mac basically said, "See ya," yeah. you know, and, and he, like he, and no one even remembers that. Like, yeah, most people don't even remember he played there. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. It's true. Um, yeah, it's true. I mean, like he didn't really play for very long either for us, and I, to me, I didn't feel like he really wanted to be there. You know, yeah. Vince Carter wanted to be here for the, for at least in the beginning part. Like he had his charity games uh, in the summer sure. times and and he repped Toronto really hard. Like he was I'm not too sure if you you've ever seen the Carter effect. Um, it was. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's fantastic. Yeah. yeah it's, it's it's wonderfully done. And then you just see like even off the court, like he was really good with the kids and he was he was really good with the, the club scene, too. Like he he apparently he was the reason why there was bottle service in Toronto. I didn't know that. Maybe I was too. Oh, young yeah. For that, but like. That's pretty. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. And, but that's and, what I'm saying. Like that's the that's the side of him that that you saw with the camps that we saw all the time in Dallas because right. like he had grown up. I mean, he yeah. was like I don't know 30, 32 maybe when he was playing with us. So like he he had gotten over that part, mm-hmm. and so we were only seeing the good, the good Vince, and he was he loved playing with Dirk, and he was in the community a lot, and so like there wasn't any like we didn't have the bad yeah. You know, but here, here's here's had, another so. reason though is because when you when you think about Toronto, I think a lot of people still outside of Canada they still think Toronto is a hockey city, and I'm not going to lie to you, it's just sure. started to become maybe even. And when the that Maple Leafs have been bad for so long, they've been man. so <laughs> bad for so long, so so bad. But they still have a huge fan base. Do I? I don't get it. I have no idea. But it, 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 the thing is because of how long and the legacy that the Leafs have it's it's always we're the Raptors are always going to be overshadowed by the Leafs it's it's just how it is because of the the years that they have on it sure but when Vince Carter came and then he dominated the scene and then he put Toronto on the map and then when he uh this this is where this is where it hurts a little bit and it does I guess it kind of hurts but it also I feel happy about it when he hit that shot uh, that buzzer beater uh, to win, I go. I think it I go up two one versus the Spurs. That yeah, it was fantastic. That was it was amazing. Yeah, that was part and parcel, um, basically identical to the one that he missed against Philly. So oh yeah, you, I like, didn't think about that. You don't. Oh you, man, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you if you want, like, there's so many. When when that happened, there was a lot of. Uh, the the TV broadcasts here that are TSN Sports and all these uh, Toronto based uh, media, they cut together. When uh, when Vince oh, Carter no. missed it, and then when Vince Carter made it with Dallas, oh. yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> so it's like, oh, why would you do this? But at the same time, I'm glad he kind of got his moment, I guess, because it was in the playoffs yeah. and it was the exact same positions, the exact same spot. Oh, maybe not the position, but it was a buzzer beater, and it it hurt when when that when that shot missed, it hurt a lot. Um, but I'm glad that he. He he hit it against the Spurs, but all right. Well, I mean, we can continue yeah. on with Vince as much as we can, but I wanna I wanna talk about uh now. I wanna talk about the Dallas Mavericks now, and you guys have a stud. You guys have a hell of a stud, and this kid. If you guys don't know what I'm talking about, we're talking about Luka Doncic, man. I mean, holy crap! Oh, I thought you meant Jalen Brunson. Sorry. Oh yeah, no, okay. I was, he was number Luka, two. Yeah. He was number two. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but Luka Doncic, he's only 20 years old, man. What the hell were you yeah. doing when you were 20 years old? I was I was probably was still watching Power Rangers at that time. I was playing Xbox in my dorm room. Yeah, I college, was playing Halo so. the last <laughs> the last chapter for like hours on end. Like, and this guy, after 10 games, he's he's playing against the Knicks right now. We're we're recording this on a Thursday night. Um, after 10 games, he's averaging 28 points, 10.3 rebounds, and 9.1 assists. Again, guys, 20 years old, and he's averaging almost a triple double. What the hell? So 
I want to ask you, uh, Tobin, if if the Mavs, I know it's early, it's only 11 games after tonight, but if the Mavs are a true threat in the West, are we talking about real consideration of MVP talk for Doncic? I think if he continues doing what he's doing now, which which I I don't want to jinx anything because it's like I hate talking about my team like this because it makes me feel like I'm like jinxing something else to happen. But <laughs> uh, if he continues doing what he's doing, which is, you know, averaging 28 points a game and then being in the top five in assistant rebounds, mm-hmm. I think if we're in the playoffs, you have to consider him. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is, is that Harden is probably going to average about the same, at least with assists and points, you know, and Giannis is going to be crazy. And yeah. so like he's, I don't think he's, but it just, it's going to, it's just basically showing what we're about to see for the next God willing 15 years. You know? <laughs> yeah. But, um, the thing, so we have a friend, me and Brian have a friend that is not a huge basketball guy. He's more of a hockey guy, which is weird because he lives in Texas. He should be living with you guys. But um, <laughs> well, we, but have, we he, have enough of those, man. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> you can stay there. He, he, uh, he keeps asking, why is this, like, why is he so good? Like, 20-year-olds 20 year aren't supposed to be this good. But mm-hmm. I think we all, including myself and Brian, underestimated how much him playing since he was 14 has benefited him. Because right, he's, not, right. he's not phased by the... You know, the the lights, the games. The one thing that he wasn't ready for was the 82-game season last year. And that's mm-hmm. so, like, towards the end of the year, you saw him fade a little bit. But he's come back this year. Like, we, you know, so we obviously follow a lot of Mavs Twitter, a lot of Mavs Instagram. Right. And so we've been watching workout videos of him all summer and just getting, like, jacked up. Like, we're just, <laughs> we're just, like, every single time he posted, like, a workout video, we would we would text each other, like, you know, heart emojis and just, like, freaking <laughs> out about it. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it, it, that's the one thing that he needed to do. Not the one thing, but that's the big thing he needed to do last year was figure out a way to keep his body in shape for mm-hmm. the whole season. And he's come out blazing already. And like in reality, we're ten games in. We're six and four. Two of those games we should have should have won. We should be eight and two for that matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the other two game, the other two losses we had have been bad losses because we can't close. And so, like he alone is carrying us. And we and we're we're gonna get to KP in a second, yep. but. I'm sure, but KP has not really helped him out at all, and he's still doing what he does. Yeah. So I mean, it's just like I don't see him slowing down. And if you if you do this stuff against the Western Conference, and in the league is starting to take notice, I think too, because um, I think last year that, it was like, oh look, Lu- you know, Luca and Trey are are having fun together, but I think the league is starting to notice that this is different. This yeah, is special. Absolutely, so, I think that kind of started with, uh, with that game versus the Lakers. Holy, yes, exactly. that, that was one it, of the yeah. best games I've ever seen. Not not only this year, but like in years past. That was amazing. Oh, easily. And we had said like um, on our on our episode that we talked about that, that the thing that made me realize that the league's noticing is that normally when LeBron does LeBron things and he has a triple-double and he goes crazy, mm-hmm. that's all sports center we'll talk about. But that mm-hmm. night, they, they were talking about LeBron and the Lakers as they won, you know, and LeBron had a triple-double, but they were talking about the fact that Luka had a triple-double. Right. And then the next game, he put another one up. Right. And so it, it's it's he's getting noticed. And like he, in every game, he's getting close to a triple-double, you yeah. know, obviously because he's averaging that much. Yeah. So, I mean, being playing professional uh, in the EuroLeague, I mean, for, since he was, like, you know, for five years, like, I, I feel like um, th- this is this is another question. I, I know we were sharing notes before, but I... I wanted to ask you about that whole connection between Luka Doncic and Trey Young. I feel like the media has kind of taken what last year took that and ran with it, right? Like this, oh, this, this kid in Europe is going to get this, uh, you know, this uh, phenom and from America. And then so like to, to me, honestly, I don't feel like there's a competition. 
it's it's kind of like when I don't know I don't know how you guys felt about Siakam and the MV, MIP vote when it came to Siakam D'Angelo. I honestly don't see like there was no connection. Oh, no, there there was, was there no. like, there was so far and far few between between the MIP talk for Siakam and and D'Angelo. And I feel like the same when it came to Luca and Trey Young. Trey Young is really good. Don't get me wrong, and he's 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 going to be good and and for time comes. But Luca is he can handle, he can pass, he's huge for a point guard. And whenever he like yes. th- th- his IQ and his passing ability for a twenty year old is Jason Kidd like already, you know like there's there was yeah. nothing that I could compare. I I thought there, the the conversation uh, wasn't I, I I didn't understand it to be honest. Well, I think a lot of it was that in the beginning of the year, Trey Young started off really really rough, um, and he like adjusting to the game speed was kind of getting was kind of tough for him. Um, and so Lucas started running away from it. And so then when Trey started putting up big numbers and started doing some flashy things, uh, NBA Twitter was just like, well, you know, don't don't ride him out too fast. So the, the NBA Twitter loves Trey Young. And that's a lot of it is that mm-hmm. you were hearing a lot of chatter about, you know, he's he's the he's the true rookie of the year. And then the players love him, too. And so the problem with Luca is that he complains to the refs a lot. And he's and he's he acts like a vet on the court because he feels like a vet. Yeah. but he's not. And so, like, you kind of have that. NBA like hierarchy of you haven't earned the right to be this way yet, but he kind of has, but he hasn't really at the same time. And so I think there's a lot of that in the, within the players too, where the the players are kind of like they kind of lean towards Trey Young because he's the typical flashy, right? You know, right? Pick he's up ball he's like the next uh, quote unquote Steph Curry. Yes. Yeah. And here's the thing: like I I actually really like Trey Young. Brian's mm-hmm. not as not as high <laughs> on him, but um, when we traded that pick and they, and they were flat, you know, they were flipped for each other. Like I had said, like on that draft day, I said, it really sucks that they're always going to be tied together now yes, because yes, absolutely. it doesn't matter what either one of them does. They're always going to be tied together. And when in reality, they're both incredibly fun to watch, just enjoy watching them. Yes. Who gives a crap who, you know, who is better than other, like just enjoy watching them. Like, yes. I mean, like obviously it's, you know, it's easy to say that on the end of my end because we, you know, we got Luca, but <laughs> I don't think I, I, I would love to talk to Hawks fan. I don't feel like they are resentful that they lost out on Luca. Like mm-hmm. you could have taken him. You know, the Suns could have taken him. The Kings could have taken him. It's not mm-hmm. like we were the first, you know, that you are the first pick. It's yeah. just I it, I don't know. It's just no. like so many people try to tie them together. And it's like, just enjoy both of them. Who cares? I like, absolutely agree. I absolutely. I haven't talked to anybody, uh, any Atlanta fans, but I feel like you guys are in good hands. I mean, you guys are a rebuilding. Oh, yeah. The Atlanta is a rebuilding team. I mean, but like you could kind of tell where where you have what you have with Trey Young. Yeah. So, uh, but okay. So I know that we wanted to talk about uh, Por- Porzingis, and he's actually playing against New York in uh, his first game playing against New York. And I don't know if you already saw on Instagram and Twitter, but he was ra- there was raining booze on him, and I don't know if it was uh, oh, yeah. warranted to be honest. But I mean. <laughs> Uh, you know, I want again. I want to get the the, the Dallas perspective. I mean, Porzingis, he's been on the IL for almost about you know sixteen months now, and uh, he's uh, to me. I, I've been I've been trying. I've been keeping an eye on Dallas, and I wanted to know about this duel between uh, Doncic and KP. And it looks like more so that Doncic is taking the lead role, and KP is being the you know the the bat, the Robin to the Batman. And KP sure. has basically been the head honcho in New York for since since he's got there so i i want to know is this kind of what you were expecting from kp that he is that 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 uh you know the the pippin to the to the jordan or are you expecting a little bit more from kp um he was always going to be the second option like that that was very clear from pretty early on last year that 
last year it was it was still Dirk's team, but Luca was waiting for it. And then when Dirk left, it's Luca's team. It doesn't matter who comes in. Okay. Um, that said, we do expect him to be like because we're not really in the in the league anymore of a Jordan Pippen scenario. We're in the league of Katie Irving, you know, Curry, mm-hmm. Clay, like mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So like we really need him to be one A, one B. Um, to be completely frank, so far he has not been that. He's been pretty pretty brutal. Mm. Um from a lot of aspects he he just looks really rusty and which is expected he had 20 months off you know of of actual basketball and you know part of me was like last year a lot of people around here were wondering why he wasn't playing and i'm like because you don't want to risk him coming out there and re-injuring anything before he signs a deal like that's not worth it but you know hindsight you know you look at that you're like man maybe he could have gotten like 20 games under his belt and been more game ready for this year because he just he just looks very off like his shot is off um he just he just looks incredibly rusty now we're only 10 11 games in so some people around here are panicking more than they probably should but you know it there are definitely some concerns but Mm -hmm. the thing is is that yeah he's a max player now and you know we're we're, i don't say we're stuck with him but we have him for the next (laughs) five years so like he's gonna figure it out and you know, Carlisle's doing a bunch of weird things with rotations, and I think that's kind of part of this part of the situation. But you know, I I have to remind like Brian, especially Brian's the negative of us two. He's the pessimist of the two of us, and so <laughs> yeah. I have to remind him that hey, you know, he didn't play for almost two years. He's only twenty three, and we have him for five years. Like right. like you know, like, right. like, there there are concerns, but you know, if like let's say if it doesn't come to you know the fruition that we want it to. You know, in a, like a year down the road, like we can always try to get another option to fill in that that number two spot, and then he's and then he can might be a great third option. You know, and that's that gets not the worst thing in the world if that's the case. So right. it's just like it's really it's still it's still really early. Um, he, he the thing is that he's doing that that's kind of troublesome is that he has to figure out how to play against smaller guys who are guarding him. And Dirk had that same problem too. Mm. That's Brian makes that point a lot. Brian said that he just has to figure out how to play against smaller defenders because he he's settling for jump shots and whenever his jump shots not working it's like he can't really figure out how to get to the bucket i see i see yeah i i mean like the that the whole notion of him being being rusty i mean it it has to be true if you're off if your your profession is to be on the court and be a basketball player if you don't if you're not there for a year and a bit that you're gonna you're gonna have to readjust you're gonna have to learn how to play basketball you're gonna have to get back into game speed and get back into shape and yeah. it's it's warranted that it's going to take him some time i mean 11 games in he's still he's not going to be the kp of new york now but i do see that Doncic and kp that duel it, it could be de- quite dangerous down the road and uh, he doesn't have to be the kp of new york he doesn't have to score 30 right. 40 points a game to be successful and that's the other thing is the reason why Doncic is is gotten his assist numbers and rebounders uh, kind of sprouting up is because the floor is more spaced out now. And, right. you know, there's there's a lot more options for him other than just, you know, spares that are waiting for him to pass the ball. You know, because last year it was basically, you know, we need Doncic to score 30 points or else we're not going to have a chance. You know, right. that kind of thing. Absolutely. So, like, we don't really have to deal with that anymore. I mean, like, KP tonight, like, as I'm looking, we're in the middle of the fourth quarter. He's got... 20 points and he's shot seven for 16. So, I mean, that's a better line than he's had in a couple of, couple of games. Yeah. I mean, he's going to figure it out. It's just going to take some time. That, well, it's also because it's a revenge game too, right? Yeah. And that's the <laughs> other thing is that we've noticed that he doesn't seem to play well in these games where like, you know, with a lot of like, like he, it's almost like they get in his head a little bit. Cause like, yeah. he didn't play well against the Knicks whenever they were in Dallas. And then tonight he started off really rough right. against the Knicks. So he almost plays you know, that, like with, with, with his emotions. Uh, yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. 
But, Which is sometimes great, sometimes not great. Exactly. So <laughs> Exactly. I mean, yeah, but I mean, um, so before we go on a break, I just wanted to quickly ask you about the bench. So there's a lot of, you know, KP and Dodgers talk and they are, they definitely are running a show, but we got some, we got some Canadian connection uh, with, with Dallas as well. You got Dwight Powell, um, who has always been, he's, he's been there for his entire career, but whenever he plays for Team Candy, he's always been a good uh, screener. He's always been a good color. Uh, Cutter, my, my apologies. But has his role also changed uh, while inserting KP in the lineup? Uh, it doesn't seem like it. Um, he's getting a little bit more playing time than he yeah. has in years past. To be honest with you, like, his deal is so good. Like It was like a three years for $33 million that like um, for what he does, like I, it was a great deal and it's a great value. He's been a little frustrating this year so far. He's kind of been you know struggling on the defensive end especially. Mm-hmm. Um, but... It, again, a lot of this just has to do with we've got a lot of new rotations to figure out, and right. we're still just kind of trying to figure out. But he's one; he's a he's an energy player. Like I, I always feel like he's better when he comes off the bench when we need a spark, and you know. And so he's been playing in the in the starting role for a few games, and it's just it seems like it's not exactly his best spot to be sometimes. Hey, so him and I feel like Dwight Powell is is more of a he's a good player. Don't get me wrong, but I feel like his. Uh, his play is more towards like the international feel. Him, I yeah. put him with uh, Kelly Olynyk. Both of them are really good international yeah. players, but in the NBA, they don't really, you know, fit too much. I've always liked Dwight Powell. I think he, I think he's a great player, but I also think that he suits better in international play. Sure. Um, and also we got Delon Wright, ex Raptor. Yeah, uh, he played quite well. Uh, b- beside um, Fred VanVleet and Kyle Lowry, but now he is shipped off to da- or signed with Dallas. And I wanted to know he's actually going to get a ring uh, when when he comes to Toronto. So I want to know. Oh, how, really? I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah. So he's gonna okay, cool. he's gonna get one. He and I want to know how you guys are. Well, one, I hope you guys are treating him well. And two, I want to know how he f- he's fitting in. I know that he started a little bit uh, in the beginning of the season, but then uh, Carlisle put him on the second unit. I think he's been playing pretty well in the second unit. Do you agree? Yeah, he's a he's one of those guys that when we when we signed him, me and Brian were excited about it, but we, we seemed like we were the only ones because everybody was like, "Why are we doing that?" And no, he's a good good player, man. He's a he's a great like I, I forget who we were playing. There was one game this year where he basically like took control of the last five minutes of the game and he like stripped the ball off of rebound and like he does a lot of things that <clears throat> that if you don't pay attention or you don't watch every game you don't see what he's doing mm-hmm. and he's a very big guard which is great because like so basically if we run him and Luca together in the backcourt we got two guards that are over six five right you know a six five and up and I and I love that and he he's a he's like he's like a junkyard dog player I see mm-hmm. like um, I'm I'm pumped that he's here. There's you know, cause like from a you know from a basketball standpoint, like I see the value that he has, and it's and it's pretty good as for as a second you know for a second guard like coming off the bench too. It's a I think it's a great feel. Now he you know obviously I'd like for it to you know see him score a little bit more, but you know that's that's not really what he does. So it's, right. it's just his his play is definitely more herky jerky. Uh, like yes. he knows how to his euro step is ridiculous and he knows how to get to the rim but uh, when when he was playing uh, for the Raptors in his later stints um he was starting to get that jump shot in and uh, the last game i i saw I, i'm not too sure who the opponent was but he hit about three, three or four threes and it was really good to yeah. see because his shot has always been flat to me but i i feel like he's worked hard enough to get that to be a good uh a score, uh, a second option score at least. Um, I always thought that he could. When when we had him, I always thought he was. When he was playing alongside Fred VanVleet, I thought he was going to take that second second point guard role. 
Uh, but now that uh, I, I'm glad that he had a chance to play more minutes because now we have uh, Fred Van Fleet and Kyle Lowry and that's that's who it is now. But now now you see DeLon Wright and he's going to be uh, that second option coming off the bench for Luka Doncic. So yeah, it's good to see. Whenever you when you guys drafted him at 20 in the 2015 draft, like that was one of the ones that we were looking at because we were at 21 that year. Right. So like when you guys took him at 20, like I was actually pretty bummed about it. I, that was <laughs> one of those guys. I was. We ended up with Justin Anderson, who ended up being a huge flame out for us. Oh, and so shoot. like it, you know, it's but like DeLon Wright has been on our radar for a while because he was like, like I said, he was the guy that we were targeting in the draft too because. You know, he ends, he always plays well against us, too. Like, last year, he had, like, two triple-doubles against us at some point. Oh, so. wow. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I'm glad he's fitting in well. All right, so let's take yeah. let's take a quick break. Uh, and when we get back, let's talk about some Raptors, man. Talk about some Raptors. All right, I'll talk to you guys soon. All right, so as, Jay, as Dre would say, man, I really wish we could get some of those. But anyways, uh, we are back with uh, Tobin from Spread the Floor Podcast, and we appreciate you, man, honestly. Again, I've never done a solo show, so this is going as well <laughs> as I could hope, honestly, is because of your help, Tobin. So, <laughs> so Saturday is going to be the last uh, game for the Raptors on this West Coast road trip, and... I want to get your take on it because uh, not only we were facing the Dallas Mavericks and that is your hometown, but also uh, I want to know, you know, what you think about these Raptors. I mean, so we when when the news hit that Kyle Lowry and Serge Ibaka were both going to be out uh, in the start of the this West Coast road trip, we were like we were bummed. We were bummed right away. We're facing L.A., the two L.A. teams with but with two of our major contributors out of the lineup and. Uh, to a lot of people's surprise, we pulled out a win in LA. We didn't play put all the win in against the Clippers, but we played really, really hard. And then uh, yesterday, we we fought a pretty pesky, maybe not the best team in Portland right now, but still pretty pesky. If you have David Lillard and CJ McCollum, pull out a win over there too. Uh, in in this it, since this last road trip, you got there. The defense has held LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, and Damian Lillard put together nine of thirty eight. 23% from the field. Do you think, and I, I don't know if you're, there's going to be some homerism here, but do you think the Raptors <laughs> can do the same to Doncic? If they can do that to those players, then I mean, the, the obvious answer is yes. But, <laughs> you know, but Doncic is, he's only had one game that's he's been slowed down so far, and right. that was against the Nuggets, you know. So, I mean, it's definitely possible. I can't, I can't say it's not. I mean, it, it, they seem to have a really like great defensive um, intensity. And I don't know if that's a nurse thing or if that's a, you know, Kawhi like holdover thing or what, mm -hmm. but like it's, it's pretty fun to watch them play defense because they're like, they're the kind of defense that you want as a team. Like you want them to be like, if they're going up against these top scores, it's not going to phase them. And anybody you bring in off the bench, um, can do the same thing. One of my favorite players that you guys have is OG because that, that dude is like, that's what he does. Like oh, yeah. he is there solely to lock down, you know those star players and Absolutely. so that's he's he was a guy that i was like i was targeting in the in the draft that i was hoping the Mavs would end up getting somehow but yeah yeah he, I, he, I love OG. yeah he fell to us and and i didn't know because i don't really follow college basketball too 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 much but i, I you know in whenever when the raptors ever have a draft pick i always you know see dabble who's going to be uh projected and then i see og and and everyone's saying hey this guy's gonna they, he should be a a lottery pick because of that uh, that injury, he's dropping way down, and the fact that we got him is a steal. I didn't really know when we, when we drafted him, but now you see his progression. Last year, it was a rough year for him. Um, a lot of you know family circumstances, and I don't want to get in, yeah. into that. But he didn't play the entire 
uh, playoff. And I, I want to say that he would have made a huge difference. You know, uh, the fact that we still won a championship is fantastic, obviously. But we there we, there wasn't really any there was any come no con- contribution from OG. Now this year, because Kawhi is gone, we have Siakam, we have Fred VanVleet, we have OG, and um, the, no, notice how I'm not talking about our big dogs with Kyle and Serge and Mark is because people like Norman Powell, uh, Fred VanVleet, and, and and OG these these guys are are our future. Just like Kyle Doncic is, sure. is going to be your future, these guys are our future, and I want to know um, how how what when you heard the news that Kawhi left, were you in the same boat and kind of expecting the the Raptors to fall, or or were you more so like you know you were were kind of sleeping on them a little bit? I don't want to say I'd say they want they're going to fall because they were still good before Kawhi came there. Yes. And yes. I'll be honest with you, like, I don't know if this is blasphemy, and if you're a Toronto fan, please don't send me anger, angry tweets, but <laughs> I feel like DeRozan was kind of holding y'all back a little bit. Like, I, yeah. I feel like, like, we, we haven't been very high on DeRozan, um, me and Brian, that is, because uh, he just seems like the kind of guy that gets buckets but can never really do what you need him to do, mm-hmm. like, in those playoff games, those tight games, that kind of thing. So, like, I'm a huge Lowry guy. Like Lowry is a like I I don't know what it is about Villanova players, but like we got one on the Mavs and like you know they're and dogs. Have, like, they're absolute dogs. Yeah, and that, like Eric Pascal is killing out, killing it. You know, at Golden State this year. Like I love the the Villanova players. It seems like they always kind of come out with this kind of you know cocky like NBA attitude. So I've always been a Lowry guy, and so I've always thought that Lowry was the piece that you know that was the most important. And Absolutely. so um, since you still have him and since you're in the Eastern conference, like I, that's, <laughs> that's terrible, but it's true. It like is. I, I didn't think y'all would slip too much. I thought I figured maybe like four or five, you know, like high, like the, maybe the max, but I, I didn't think y'all be like, have a huge drop off. Now that said, I did not expect Spicy P to be as dominant as he's been so far. Mm-hmm. Like, cause, cause <laughs> that, that one, I will tell you, whenever he got his extension, that was when the, the thing that I was like, oh no. Right. <laughs> cause that, that caught me a little off guard. Cause I was just kind of, if I was a Raptors fan, I don't, I'm, I think I would have wanted this, you know, prove it for another year. Yeah. Especially now that Kawhi's gone. But I also understand the idea of locking up your players while you still got while you still can. Yeah. So no, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, when, when we heard that news that we were locking up Siak, we wanted to. We we definitely wanted to, but sure. we were kind of expecting it to be at the end of the year when, like you said, prove it a little bit. But with the potential that he had and where we were going with uh, our free agency too, because we locked up Kyle for the next year. We have you know Serge coming out the books, Mark coming out the books next year, even Fred Van Vliet coming out the books too. We have to have. We have to solidify our franchise and we believe that and luckily for us that Siakam is showing that he's a max player and I feel like a lot of the times when when max players are, are get those max deals they don't show it right away because you know they have the money now right and and granted you know you got that money you're comfortable now you're in a good situation blah blah blah, blah. but I feel like for Pascal Siakam every single game he's getting, just getting better and better yeah. and better and he's proving every all, all the doubters of like you know what this is a this is a mass contract that he is going to he may not be the next Kawhi because I feel like that's you know uh kind of an impossible uh task but he doesn't have to be Kawhi all he has well, to he's be a different is, kind of player yeah too. yeah like we've never had that that forward point guard 
before. We've never seen some a player like this before. Much like how we've never really seen a player like Doncic before. So these these type of players are kind of blowing every people's minds, right? And and I'm glad yeah. to see that Pascal is getting the the notice from outside of you know Canada. To be honest, yeah, you know, and the thing is too, like it's just. They, I'm a real big uh, nurse believer. After last year, mm-hmm. um, when, whenever the Raptors ended up giving him the job, I was just like, who, like, who is this guy that, that you know, it's <laughs> like, because like we know Dwayne Casey, because like, he came from the Mavs, like yes. he's a Mavs yes. assistant, you know, yeah. he he so, was like when they got rid of coach, right? Uh, yeah, the when they. We, yeah, and when they got rid of Casey after he won Coach of the Year, I was like, "Well, this is going to end terribly. Like, this is not going to end well for Toronto." And yeah. so, you know, that just it just well, it's it, that's that funny. whole year was weird. That funny you say that because I know you just said that to, to Rosen was the one that kind of, uh, you know. Uh, made us stick a little bit, and we were stuck with him. But a lot of people would say it was because of Dwayne Casey. Yeah, and, and I I believe that I I you know now watching nurse do what he did like i i can see that so mm-hmm. yeah no I, i'm glad you say that because yeah uh, yeah nur- nurse is it's it's kind of hard to kind of hard to think about like if we if dwayne casey had the lineup that he had last year would we have made it to the playoffs would we've uh, won that championship i don't know i honestly don't know with having dwayne casey as a head coach for so long we kind of saw what he could do you know, and and sure. granted, not you know, we were the only team that could go against LeBron, and we never could get over that hump. Nor could the entire Eastern Conference, right? So we can't yeah. really blame it all on Dwayne Casey. Sure, but that was like a one-trick pony to us. So the fact that we, yeah, I mean, Nick Nurse was the assistant coach for the Raptors for five years under Dwayne Casey, but it's a new voice still. It's yeah. it's. I feel like as a behind the bench, you still can't give everything that you. Um, all the I guess insight you have as a coach, but now that he is in that chair, you can see the difference. You can see the open mindedness. You can see all the different plays, the box and one, the the zones, the, the zone coverages, the the double teams on Kawhi, uh, like you know full court, and like it's it's the difference. Um, even if sometimes it doesn't work, at least he's throwing things at the wall to see what sticks. You know. Sure. Yeah. So uh, I'm glad that he's he's also getting noticed, but. Uh, since the game isn't until Thursday, I want to know what you think the Raptors would have to do uh, to win this game and also what the Mavs have to do to stop the Raptors' momentum. Uh, well, if you're the Raptors, I think the biggest thing is you just need to smother the perimeter because Dallas seems to be uh, pretty set on just settling for three points and launching threes and hoping they stick, it <laughs> seems like. Yeah. Um, which... Not not always the greatest whenever that's your team doing that, unless you're the Warriors. But you know, like um the it seems like if you smother the peri- perimeter and kinda kinda mess up their shooting rhythm, that kind of seems to slow them down a little bit. Right. Um it'll be interesting to see how that happens without, you know, running Lowry and Ibaka out there. I do feel like y'all are a lot bigger than we are. And so I think if you use if you smother the perimeter and use Gasol and Siakam to kind of uh, dominate the inside. I think that should be that should be pretty mm-hmm. uh, successful. If you're the Mavs, it's it really just comes down to you know, are you going to hit shots? Are you going to make sure that you can kind of get these buckets in, and then also slow down somehow, slow down Spicy P. I don't I don't even know who would do that to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. Like we like we have you know I mean we have Dorian Finney Smith. If I had to guess, Dorian Finney Smith will come out of the gate guarding him because he's our you know yeah pretty much our top big wing defender, but um. 
it's it, it, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be cool to see um, Luca and, and Siakam going at it and seeing who can, you know, get get the best of each other. Absolutely, yeah. I can't wait until that. Um, I I wanted to say, you know, before before we get into the game, I, I it's going to be like the Luka Doncic versus Fevenvli, the Porzingis versus Siakam. But I also want to see what uh, the bench. Uh, is going to bring for both teams. Um, so I'm not sure if you've been watching too much of the Raptors, uh, but because of these injuries, we've had to use a lot of our bench that we haven't used for you know the majority of the beginning of the season. So we have players like Chris Boucher stepping up, Terrence Davis stepping up. We have uh, Rondé Hollis Jefferson finally stepping up, and these guys have <laughs> uh, have shown the reasons for uh, Nick Nurse to actually put them in the game, even if Lowry and Ibaka do come back. So it's going to be interesting to see you know uh, Seth Curry, DeLon Wright, Justin Jackson, all these players on Dallas who are aren't the biggest names, but I feel like they have a really good uh, uh, camaraderie when it comes to the second unit. So it's going to yeah. be those two. Uh, I, the starting lineup is going to be really interesting uh, right off the gate, but I do think it's going to come down to the benches. The teams are very similar too. Like they mm-hmm. they um, they both have benches that if you don't watch them on a regular basis, you'd be like, well, who's who's you know, Rondé Hollis Jefferson, who's Patrick McCaw, like, you know, mm-hmm. and, but, but what you see when you watch them on a regular basis, you see what they do and you see how they affect the game, even if it's not in the stats and, and they, and it is a lot about, you know, how they gel too. Yes. So that's, you know, that's the Mavs are the same way. It's, it's our, our bench is, is solid. We have a lot of players who, you know, if you don't, if you're outside of Dallas, you might not know exactly what they do. And you might think, why in the world are we paying exactly. Maxi Kleba, you know, three years for <laughs> 20 million, <laughs> but he does a lot of things that you don't realize it, unless you watch yeah. him on a regular basis. Yeah. So. And, and, and the, the league has been stymied with injuries and, and, you know, yeah. players that are on the IL or the DNP and, uh, so you you get to see these players that you know don't really get to shine like the last game versus the Clippers. I mean Chris Boucher, who is the G League MVP and defensive player uh, of the G League, he comes in and he stuffs the shit out of uh, Montrezl Harold, and people are like, "Who is this kid?" So it's it's quite fun to watch uh, the 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 bench and the guys who don't really get too much you know spotlight finally get that kind of get that spotlight for sure, man. Yeah. Yeah, man. All right. Well, that uh, I guess we could, we got to sign off now because you know I don't want to keep you from your kids, and it's getting late in, in <laughs> Toronto because you guys are running on in Dallas time. This is East Coast time, so I'm gonna I'm gonna head out. I gotta I gotta edit this because you know it's gonna be a long night for me. But I appreciate you, Tobin. Thank you so much for joining me for my first solo for That's a Rap Pod. Uh, the floor is yours, man. I want you to tell us all about uh, your twitter your your podcast with uh, brian gale spread the floor please give us give us your all man yeah man it's a great to come on with you guys um you guys can follow us at spread floor nba on twitter or uh spread the floor podcast on instagram if you go to spread the floor podcast.com you can find all of our stuff our hyper url that kind of things uh, you can follow me personally at to hodges on twitter or you can follow brian at bgill 12 uh, we post a lot of stupid gifs about basketball and, you know, do that kind of stuff. But, you know, check us out. We're a fairly new podcast. You know, give us a listen. Uh, give us a five-star rating. One thing that we do with our listeners is we we want us we want them to send us uh, their obscure, the most obscure jersey they've ever owned. Yes, I still have to a, do that. A, you know, oh, I still have to do yeah, that. Yeah, man, <laughs> do it. You, yeah, we'll have to have you on and you can tell us on you can tell us. On okay, the yeah, I was going to so, save that. I was, I'll yeah. save that for the pod when we come on, for sure. Yeah, so... It's uh yeah we're we're fairly new we you know we, we we don't stick to just Mavs like you guys stick to just Raptors we do we do a weekly podcast with the, like all NBA stuff and 
we do some bits and some games and stuff like that so yeah check us out sweet awesome thank you you guys listeners you're gonna get the link also definitely definitely check out these guys these guys are freaking hilarious man mainly just for that uh the shoe beat that, you, <laughs> that you made yeah yeah that was yeah that's just me being stupid at nine o'clock at night so. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the best time to be inventive all right guys so yep. we'll see you guys on we'll talk to you guys on saturday when we face the dallas mavericks but until then boys and girls that's a wrap right.